Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. But you can say you heard about it on this particular podcast. Maybe they'll toss you a pickle or something like that, which would be very nice. I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that. And now we can get into the actual guts of the show. Before we do that, Mr. Tony, I have power again. So that didn't last all that long, did it? Thank you. Great. No, but that yeah. really wasn't important enough to interrupt me for. Just go on the regular power and get off the phone. Thank you. The regular power. Yeah, the regular power. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. I have to say, I, I, um, I just started to laugh because I just thought that was funny, but that wasn't enough to interrupt me. I just, I didn't remember saying that. It was mean, but it was Michael. A little funny. dismissive. Yeah, but it was funny. Uh, I didn't remember that at all. Uh, we, I was in the middle of thanking Mikey and Mel's, right? Yeah, Mikey and Mel's. That's so right. I have, as in a res- Fulton. Yeah, as a result of that, in Fulton, Maryland, um, the, the, the food was terrific. I'm very grateful to Harley for sending it over. As a result of that, I actually thought, I thought of the radio shows I listened to when I was very young. Uh, there was a different style of radio show then on AM radio. There was no FM radio in the 50s at all. There was AM radio. And there were all these morning shows. And on the morning shows, the hosts of the morning shows who became your friends, because they were on three and four hours a day with their regular people, I guess. And there was one in New York called Rambling with Gambling. It was on WOR radio in New York. And it was John Gambling. And it was a father and a son, much like Michael and myself. And when the father left the show, the son took over the show. And it was a a big success. There was a show in Washington, the Hardin and Weaver show. And this is when I was much older in 30s and 40s or something like that. The Hardin and Weaver show on WMAL was an enormous success. and, And you tuned in every single day. You had your pattern of life and your pattern of life included because there were no podcasts there was no internet there was no cell phones the pattern of your life included listening to a radio show as you got up and you got dressed and you went to work and they always plugged things and i wrote three things down that i wanted to plug i actually wanted to plug and one was the cooking of roberto dona and i've talked about that before i buy his dinners almost every single week uh, they are available to people if if you want if you're interested at all in buying dinner. Uh, there's usually five dinners a week with soups and, and you know, they're Italian, mostly Italian because he's an Italian cook. The food's great. How was the ravioli? Rav- the, is the, the lightest burrata ravioli was probably the best thing I've ever had in, in terms of ravioli. And I love ravioli. It was just great. You always use ravioli to, to, test. to test Italian restaurants. It was just light and wonderful. It's Roberto Dona, D-O-N-N-A. You can look him up on the internet. It's Googleable. Yeah, I mean, you can do it. The other thing was we bought a Jeep last year at Criswell Jeep. It was very nice. It's a very nice Jeep. They treat us very nicely. Carl Wilhelm, if, any, if there's any problem, we call Carl and everything goes well. And I got myself a BMW at Fairfax BMW from Jackie Walker's brother, Mike. And if anything goes wrong, they're very nice to me. In other words, I made the deal. The deal was, look, I don't want to go to the, you know, I'm old. I don't want to go back. I don't want to go to the showroom. Your deal is I will never come back to this dealership. Yeah, will you send will you send somebody to help me? And they do. And I'm <laughs> the reason I'm doing this, if you want to buy something there, that's fine. You can do all of that. How'd you go from sandwiches to cars? I just because I, I just sort of felt that I mean I it's very reveal much of what I do reveals stuff about myself. But you know, when when you make a deal with somebody and they honor the deal, it's really good. Because a lot of times they don't. A lot of times people say, Well, yeah, sure, but then then oh, we can't get there. But they've been really good. So I wanted to say that. Now let me get to something I'm grateful for. This is going to sound mean. Michael Taylor's a free agent. He's not going to be back. 
the Nats cut ties with Michael Taylor, and Michael Taylor used that opportunity to become a free agent. Michael A. Taylor, or as we commonly refer to him, Michael K. Taylor, because he strikes out all the time. He's a really good fielder. He's a really fine addition to a team if you can put him at, you know, batting eighth or ninth. Or maybe he'll get good again. Right. Or, maybe, or maybe he'll get good with, again. With more playing time, he gets more of an eye for breaking ball pitches, and he starts to trend more towards what you saw in the 2016-2017 When he was a good series. player. And then he just started striking out all the time. And what makes that worse is that Victor Robles strikes out all the time as well. So the 8-9... Well, Sharon when, center field doesn't help. You know, when, when, yeah, when they're playing together, uh, the 8-9 is disastrous in terms of striking out. This looks like it would be more time for Andrew Stevenson who was very impressive at the end of the season. Yeah, runs you know. wild. Yeah, so, I mean, he, he looks like the fourth outfielder there. But also shows you the trend that you see with teams where you're willing to put prospects in a Robles. I mean, Juan Soto oh, he's a great went above every expectation. Yes. but you're Robles willing, was the number one pick. He was the number one, and you're willing to wait for that and put him That's up right. because of age and what that means for contracts. And you look at Michael Kay, and he's going to find a landing spot. And I yes. guess... You, I wish him well. Most likely, we will see him again, and we will see him doing well. And he is forever connected with that World Series run for getting hit by the pitch in the wild card game. So I, I, I don't hate him. I hate the fact that he struck out in, in so many opportunities. He struck out, and he struck out looking. Do you remember that grand slam? Yes, I do. Uh, well, I read back on Into all of the these wind. things. So and he struck out looking, which, which is it, it's difficult for me. I hate the relievers. I hate the relievers. I don't hate the everyday players. I'm just disappointed in that. Which brings me to baseball. The Houston Astros won again last night. I watched that. I watched Correa. Correa is a great player. Yeah. Correa is he's one of the, you know, if you list the three best shortstops in in baseball, he's got to be one of the three at the moment. Um Corey Seager, Correa, you give me the other one and I'll take him. Um Correa hit it out walk-off, said to Dusty beforehand, how about a walk-off? And Dusty, of course, said, sure. Well, Dusty may have said that. Dusty's wearing a mask. How do you know what Dusty said? He invented said? the high five. Yeah, well, how do you know? So, <laughs> and, and that's it. So now it's 3-2. Now the pressure is still on Houston tonight to get to 3-3. But if they get to 3-3, the pressure's on Tampa. It's totally on Tampa. It's only been done once to get to a game seven, to even get there. And the time that it was done, Boston beat the Yankees. And everybody remembers that. Most of the time when it goes to 3-2, it goes to 4-2. And that's the end of it. But we will see. These are Houston is a very good team. Houston's pitching is not as good as um, Tampa's pitching. But Nick Anderson's been touched up, right? That was his second time that he lost, I think. I think Nick Anderson's been touched up for, for Tampa here and there. So we'll see what happens in that. Well, and this is where you see the the impact of playing the seven games in a row and trying to come up with what does it mean oh, yes. to be the home team. And you look at what Houston it doesn't has done. mean anything. No, but it does. In, you just in get the, the sense, last last at bats. The, the last at bats, but they've changed the course of the game by hitting these first bottom of the first home runs. And the other the other series is the one that has me perplexed. I think the Braves are a really good team. I say this all the time on PTI. The heart of that order, which is the top three of that order, Acuna. Freeman and Ozuna are really great. They produced runs all the time in these playoffs. They have only lost one game in the playoffs. That's it. One game. I thought the series was going the other way when the Dodgers, and this was John Smoltz's observation, before they scored any runs in game two. As you get a bunch of runs late, it gives you momentum going into game three. And I figured, well, Smoltz is smarter than I am. I don't really believe it. 
but turned out to be completely right at the beginning of game three. They got 11 in the first inning. They got 15 overall. They could have had more. If that was a close game, they would have had more. They left 12 men on from the third inning on. Dodgers left 12 on. They scored 15 runs. And now they have Kershaw pitching against a rookie. And the night before, Kyle Wright was a rookie, and he couldn't get out of the first inning. And now they have this guy that apparently, with a story I read, they call Lunchbox because of his shape. It's not complimentary. Bryce Wilson. Could be Brian Wilson's grandson, for all I know. Bryce Wilson. He gives up a home run early to Rios. And I just said, okay, that's it. This is over. It's not over. That's all he gave up. And then Kershaw gave up one. And then it's 1-1 in the fifth, or is it the sixth, whenever it was. And Clayton Kershaw, who is the contemporary equivalent, though not as great a pitcher, honestly, as Greg Maddox. But Clayton Kershaw is now 11-12 and 12 in postseason play. As Greg Maddox, who won 350 games, first ballot Hall of Famer, one of the all-timers, was 11-14 and 14 in postseason play. I don't know why this is, but Kershaw lost again. And this reputation, he's, it's not shakable. It's just not shakable. This was his game to win. I'm not blaming Kershaw specifically. The Dodgers didn't hit. They didn't hit a rookie. Now it's 3-1. And while the Braves had always planned on just doing a bullpen game tonight, if they lose, it's 3-2. They've got Freed and Ian Anderson coming back. They're going to win one of those, you feel. Yeah, because Freed, Max Freed, and Ian Anderson, when they pitch this season, regular season and postseason, I don't want to get too geeky here, but I really do like baseball. When they pitch... The team is 19 and 4 when they pitch. They're 12 and 2 and the team is 19 and 4. So why would you think that they're not going to win one of two games if it even gets to game 6 and then game 7? Atlanta's sitting very pretty right now and the Dodgers look like and they're the best team. They are. Well, they're the so best team. Did you see the weather, the wind for the first yeah, couple innings? Yeah, that was innings? odd. And so Freddie Freeman about, couldn't even see. You talk about momentum coming in from that huge game three, and, and they had to score runs early, but batters couldn't see the ball. You see That's Acuna right. Jr. maybe loses the contact. I want to wear those. I was hoping you'd come out with the Rex specs. He usually goes to those big yeah. M-frame style. Well, Freddie Freeman put on a pair of glasses. A weird pair of glasses that we, he was uncomfortable but, so wearing. So you feel like maybe that turns it towards the rookie pitcher for the first couple innings, and then you're Should they have behind. called the game? No, you can't call the game for that. It's, it's, but it's wind. It's wind, and it's and just one of, those wind weird, it's one of those weird factors. But then uh, Freddie Freeman's doing exactly <laughs> what we know he's going to do. And he's you, a you great think about player. That, the ball he squares up for the single. But Azuna, everything has... He's in your talks for MVP, but every, in terms of being able to put the him out there... The three of them are. And, but yeah, the three but, of them are. But it's the DH. The fact that you, you worried in previous versions of, of him, you worried about some of the fielding issues. You and saw now that he doesn't have to field. Louis, he doesn't have to The field. odd season. He can go rake. Yeah. And, you know, so... That's that's where we are in the baseball. It's very tough to watch this as a Nats fan because I we you don't want the Braves do not to win. root for the Dodgers. We've had issues with the Dodgers. But you don't this want was the year we hate the Braves. I can't have this because they're going to get to they're going to get to show us the parade. They're going to get to show us they're going to have games. everything that the Nats didn't have because of the virus. Because you don't want to sit here and root for the virus. I mean, you just can't. It, it's unrootable. You can't root for the virus. In other news, another sports news. Tyron Lue. Uh, is going to coach the Clippers. He signed a five-year deal. Five years a long time. Steve Ballmer's got nothing but money. Five years a long time. What recommends Tyron Lue? He won a title. 
He won with Cleveland. He was the coach at Cleveland when they won. Now, there's no coach. LeBron James coaches the team himself and doesn't care who's coaching, doesn't pay any attention to coaches. But Frank Vogel just won a title, and Tyron Lue had won a title. His record is very good. He's going to coach the Clippers, and we'll see how he does um, with that. He's got ta- – didn't he play here? Hmm. Wasn't Ty Lue – Nigel, can yes. you look him up? Or, didn't yes. Ty Lue play a couple of years for the Wizards? Yes, I'm fairly certain he did, yes. He had really long hair then. He had really long hair, um, and now he's got really short hair. Um, but I think he played. I also think he went to Creighton. I think he's a pretty good college player. I think, in, you know, I, I, he wasn't a starter in the NBA, but he had a nice career. So does number of years on the contract really really matter? Is no. that something that you no. try and just use to Steve Ballmer does players? Steve, yes, Steve Ballmer if will fire you. It, none of that matters. But, I mean, uh, it's an indication to players that there's a certain right. commitment to Kawhi right. Leonard and to Paul George. But if I, was, if I was the Clippers, I'd trade Paul George immediately. I'd trade him. I would, I would have no faith in him. You know, the self-proclaimed playoff P. Get out of here. You're terrible in the playoffs. You're actually terrible. So what, Nigel? Uh, went so to Nebraska. Sporting. Went to Nebraska. Nebraska. Actually. Okay, well, Creighton's in Nebraska, so it's the same place. Um, place. <laughs> uh, and was with Creighton's Wizards from 2001 to 2003, which I believe were the yeah. Jordan Wizards, weren't they? Was it was he played with Jordan? I think at that period might very well have been. So, but I remember yeah. him from here. I remember sure. him from here. All right, I got d- geeky sportsy, right? I mean, you you avoided the town halls. I didn't watch them. Can I? I'll just say this: you you watched 20 minutes of Trump. The opening, yes. You didn't watch. I watched, I watched some of the questions. You didn't watch Biden. I went cho- into it. I cho- I don't feel like I need to watch Biden. I sort right. of are nervously watching the other channel. You were taken with the woman who said Trump had a nice great smile. smile. Yeah, um, a great smile. You think she was you're a plant? So, in the so, I, there was one. But you question. also like Savannah Guthrie. I thought she was the first first moderator to handle him, and I wonder about maybe her TV back. What was it about her background? She's a lawyer dealing with dealing with a lot of personalities. She might have been a prosecutor. Show, yeah, uh, but she came after him, particularly on on the mask, particularly with. The, the virus, that was that was good to see. But for him, it comes back to what he said on the campaign trail. It's just free hour of TV. Why wouldn't I do it? So I didn't watch it. I, I felt it was wrong and unfair and almost actionable that two networks put them on at the same time. That does not serve the American public at all. If one is on at 9, put one on at 8 or at 10. It's just not right. You should be able to see them both. You shouldn't have to use... Two TVs in your room with a fly's eyes. And plus, the baseball was on. Yeah. You know. Nigel, did you watch? I, I was flipping around, yeah. I watched a little bit of Trump, watched a little bit of Biden, um, and then was back and forth, you know, with, with the games. That was, that was yeah. where, where I was. Sean, at. did you watch? I was actually outside at a comedy show. John Mulaney. Oh, good. Well, you could. Oh, was he good? He was. It, you could tell the act isn't ready for a special yet, okay. but he was very funny. Right. He's the guy who did that hysterically funny thing about the horse in the room. Yep, horse, horse in a hospital. hospital. It's just horse in a hospital. It's just brilliant. Brilliantly funny. It really is. All right, we'll get out of here. Um, uh, Jason Lockenfora will join us when we return, right? Jason Lockenfora? That's yes? right. That's I'm right. Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Vincero ad. I really like the way this is written because it's written in such a friendly, welcoming manner. We are partnering with Vincero Watches once again because you guys really seem to enjoy them as a sponsor. That, that's not true. That's not why we're partnering. That, no, that's just written copy. I like it. I like it, but you know, it's, it makes it seem like we had a hand in this. 
we didn't. But we like their watches. I have one. Making a statement doesn't have to cost a fortune. With Vincero, you can elevate your look for an affordable price. They believe you deserve to look good and feel good no matter your budget. By the way, and I will say this, Artie Burko, Bonnie's husband, saw my watch and went out and bought three watches from Vincero. They're big fans of Vincero. They're offering you as a listener to this high-quality podcast 15% off your entire order, and they are covering all shipping costs. Just visit VinceroWatches.com slash Tony. Sports are back, NFL. Don't you want to be the best-looking guy at your tailgate party? No, nah, you know, tailgate party. Well, outdoors, maybe. Now's the time to pick out a timepiece to stand out from everyone else, especially since they just released four brand-new collections for men. Seriously, go check out their new collections. They have a new one called the Outrider that has been selling extremely fast and is perfect for everyday wear. Do yourself a favor and go pick out a timepiece from one of their new collections right now. Just remember to use my link, vincerowatches.com slash Tony. This, see, this is, this is wise. They put this in my voice. It's, this is well done. And the fact is that yeah, I used to write for a living, so I see what they're doing. But I think it's well done. Vincero, V-I-N-C-E-R-O, the Italianate pronunciation, not Vincero, but Vincero. There's no brand name markup, no big name price tags. Their promise to you is simple. Solid, well-made products you will enjoy wearing. Um, you can wear them every single day. If you don't, Vincero, if you don't like it, Vincero will make it right. That's their promise. If you don't love it, not even like it, if you don't love it, you got to love it, they'll make it right for you. Go shop Vincero. Go to V-I-N-C-E-R-O watches.com slash Tony. Do not pay full price on these beautiful timepieces. Take advantage of this opportunity. And as we say all the time, use the code, people. Use the code. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. We played this group the other day, The Wind and the Wave. It's sent us by Kyle in Portland, Oregon. He talks of their self-released album, Rescue Me. And it's his brother's marriage to the lead singer, Patty. The group is based in Austin, Texas. They're an indie folk rock group. This is a song called, Does God Love the Unlucky? That's one of those, you know, existential questions, I guess. I mean, because you could say God made them unlucky deliberately. You know, who knows? I don't want to get involved in the existential problems here. I just don't. But I like the song. The song, I like the group, The Wind and the Wave. And they're playing in Jason Locke and Fora of CBS Sports and of his own fabulous radio show in Baltimore. And, and we got to start. There's more so now, certainly more so than basketball, certainly more so than hockey, and more so now even than baseball quickly. Uh, is the problem with the coronavirus as it spreads here and there, dribs and drabs, around the NFL. Atlanta shut down a facility yesterday. There was some dispute as to how many positive yeah. tests there were. And the, and the Indianapolis Colts have shut it down today. What, what is the latest on this and the, and the cascade effect for the schedule? Well, Tony, I mean, I, I think the reality is, um, and, you know, the league did an, another conference call this week with, Dr. Alan Sills, their, their chief medical officer, that the reality is um, that this virus is, is trending in a, a very uh, disturbing direction in a lot of communities, in a lot of communities across the Midwest, um, you know, in, in Wisconsin, in Indiana. That's where these teams play. <laughs> like, um, you know... There's only so much that they're going to be able to do. So many protocols they can they can put in place. Um, 
and and these guys have kids and kids go to school and they have wives who work uh and they have people who are you know around them and the league has urged them to keep as close quarters as possible and to you know limit their close contacts and by and large i think they are but there is nothing foolproof nothing close to foolproof um and many would say this country's response to this pandemic has been nothing short of foolish at a federal level. And there's only so sure. much any individual corporation is going to be able to do to try to navigate through this. Um, we're heading in deeper into cold and flu season. The league, you know, has has urged everyone to get flu shots. And they have now said that if you're, you know, have any symptoms of a cold whatsoever, you're not getting in these buildings, and you may not get in for a period of time. And, um, but they don't want a bubble, at least for now. At least Dr. Alan Sills does not want, does not think a bubble would work. Um, and he's a scientist, and I'm not. Um, would every scientist agree with that uh, sort of philosophy? I'm, I'm, I'm not sure. That you, you can talk mm-hmm. to many who would say. The only chance they have is to bubble. But we're talking about a corporation with thousands of employees spread across, I don't know, 25 states. Many of those states in which this virus is raging. This is, this is the reality. Every morning, you know, there's, there's going to be um, some positive test. The, 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 the absolute key will be trying to mitigate those situations and have them not turn in, you know, from, from an episode or two into an outbreak. And that's a daily struggle. And no one knows what tomorrow is going to hold when it comes to these, these positive tests and when it comes to these individual situations. So you have a, an event this Sunday. Atlanta is supposed to play at Minnesota. Atlanta is in the midst of trying to sort out who's got the virus and who doesn't. That seems to me to be a candidate for postponement. Um, I don't know who Indianapolis is playing this Sunday, but that now seems to me to be a candidate for postponement. Today is Friday. Um, do you think those those games will take place? Uh, I think it absolutely positively depends on the next 24 hours. And, and are there new positives? Um, what is the contact tracing data revealing? Um, the, the reality is those teams did get some practice in this week. They did have um, a semblance of a normal work week. And, and, and compared to anything that's gone on in Tennessee the last 17 days, it's been right. um, absolutely, you know, normal or normal-ish. So, you know, the way this basically works is in tiers. Um, the closer we get to these games, there'll be a decision made on whether we – what if we push back kickoff – five hours, six hours, is, depending on the numbers we're dealing with, does that make sense? If that doesn't look like it's going to be able to provide a window um, sufficient enough to make any further determinations about the health and safety risk of this game, then we've seen the Monday and Tuesday windows come into play. Um, and if that doesn't suffice, and, and you know, we wouldn't know that until Sunday, probably at the earliest, then you, you 
get back to the scenario of can we move the bye weeks around. But but that game, you know, the ability to do that is has already been significantly compromised by the two weeks that, you know, the Titans primarily and then also I guess the Patriots a little bit have forced a reshuffle. You know, they're running out of bye weeks. Like, they're, it's just the reality. Between teams that have already had their bye and teams who have already had their bye altered by yes. moving the Titans-Steelers game and, and floating that as long as they did and then floating the Titans game again last week and then, you know, moving stuff with the Broncos and, and the Patriots. Like, that game they played last week where their press release came out at 4 o'clock and they changed 16 games on the fly or whatever it was, 13. Like, that was really hard to do, and it's infinitely harder now that those opportunities have been exhausted. So it's a different horizon uh, than we've ever seen before, and they're going to continue to do what they can on a day-to-day basis to keep, you know, to, to keep this machine going. But there nothing. the bottom line is nothing is guaranteed um, when those games will played will be played if those games will be played will all be determined by um what's going on with this virus that um doesn't really doesn't really care about what your schedule says so let's let's look at the at the reality of this um in terms of games played you have to have an equal amount of games played it doesn't have to be 16 but you have to have an equal amount of games played in order to make the playoffs seem legitimate that was the point I made in baseball. They didn't listen to me, and they're not going to listen to me in football. But yeah, I think in football there's a better chance because there's smaller amounts of games. So now we have, we have the ability, we, the National Football League, not me, has the ability to play Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. They play every day. Yeah. You can play every day. You can yeah. do this, and you can push the back end of your season as far as you want because you own the stadiums, yeah. and there is an appetite for football. When are we going to – and plus – you can, if you play on a Wednesday and you don't play till the following Sunday, you know, you have more time to recover. When, if, if it's going to happen, when do you think we'll start seeing Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday? Because I think that, that you have to do it. Well, they, they would certainly prefer to exhaust all those options before they go to a week 18. Because the, the, the idea of a week 18, well, what if, there's a very good chance that a team would need two games to make up. So which, do we, which, which one do we pick that they make up? And are we yeah. going to end up in a scenario where we create a Week 18 and we end up with a bunch of regional games that don't have massive playoff ramifications, but we agreed to play them back when it looked like they might, and now we're scrambling to play all those games and pushing back the actual playoffs even further into greater potential jeopardy. And let's be real. That's the real moneymaker. You know, the reason baseball um, fought so, so long and so hard between the players and the union is because the whole thing was about, let's get, you know, at one point, you remember Manfred's like, I don't care how many games we play, 50, 55, whatever. Got to have playoffs. Them. Yes. Yes, got to have playoffs. The same, yep. the same yep. thing. So, so yep. it's very easy for everybody to say, at a week 18, at a week 19, well, what the hell do you think this country is going to look like then? Like, what's going to be happening in, in Wisconsin and Indiana and Florida and Texas then? Um, what makes you think that's going to be more feasible or, or, or the solution? Um, 
they'll do it if they have to, but they really don't want to. And the, the, the okay. you're going to keep here in seven two fifty six and seventeen. That's their mantra. How close can we get? We're not going to play all two fifty six if this keeps up. But how close to two fifty six can we get in the span of seventeen in a in a somewhat cogent manner that allows us to play this playoff tournament in as robust a fashion as we can? Okay, that makes sense. Let me get to football itself. Arthur Blank pulled the plug on the coach and the GM. Now what happens with them, and what happens with Matt Ryan? Because he publicly floated the notion that yep. Matt Ryan's done there. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's not going to be an easy contract to trade. Um, you know, Matt Ryan in his age 36, going into 37 season, not mobile, um, not a guy who's going to unlock your, pass, your running game for you, not a guy that... Um, it's going to be a weapon with his legs. Um, I, I, I mean, and, and, and just look at the quarterback market and how depressed it was a year ago. And, you know, a lot of those dudes who you got on the cheap last year were on one-year deals, and they're going to be back in the marketplace. Plus, you might have Sam Darnold and Daniel Jones available yep. because those teams might be drafting new quarterbacks in the top five. Um, you're going to have this array, this cornucopia of options um, and I think Matt Ryan's going to look the same way most teams looked at Nick Foles last year or looked at Andy Dalton last year. Now, nah, we're not trading for you. They're eventually just going to cut him because you don't want to give him another $30 million because you just gave him $90 million over the last three, and your seasons were over by Halloween three straight years. So, nah, bro. Um, and as for the, the situation there, um, I mean, the team president, Rich McKay, McKay made it pretty clear that he's back in charge. I mean, coach is going to report to me. Uh, well, GM's definitely going to report to me. Coach might report to me, too. Um, you know, we're going to hire the GM first. Well, that's the guy who reports to you. So yeah, I don't think that's very attractive, to be honest with you. Um, the quarterback is a thing. Um, they've got five or six guys making a ton of money there who most people would say were, were vastly overpaid by that regime. Um, it's not like they have a bonanza of, tra- of draft picks. Rich McKay said, nah, I don't think we need to have a fire sale. No, no, Rich, you really do. Um, you should be auctioning off those guys for pennies on the dollar like a going out of business sale. If you refuse to do it, you're only making that job less attractive. Um, and the cap's not going up anytime soon, and they're flush against it with a bad team. So will people be interested? Sure, there's only 32 of these things, and Arthur Blank has shown he'll spend a lot of money. But that's not a team that's poised to compete anytime soon. Yeah. You mentioned Andy Dalton. What do you expect from him for the rest of the season? I, I don't think that this is going to affect that team very much in terms of the macro-level standings. Will it affect them emotionally, viscerally? Um, will it affect their you know, explosive play charts and their downfield passing um, and, and their fantasy football numbers? Absolutely. They're still going to be a 6 to eight-win team. They're still going to have to live and die by their ability to win games in their division because they're not beating many people outside of it. Tiebreakers against the Eagles will still be everything. Um, the defense will still stink. The offensive line will still be uh, in disarray because of injuries. But when you have the backup quarterback in there and you go from a guy who you're going to be paying over $40 million a year to to a guy you got for $3 million, it makes it a lot simpler to keep it simple, stupid, and not show yeah. off all your everything on your big passing chart. Just you're, you, you, you've run sixty more plays to this point than the average NFL team. You basically have an extra 
game worth of offensive plays you've already run um, five weeks into the season. Uh, you've got a running back you're paying more than most people would think about paying a running back, and he's got a really good backup, too. Uh, Zeke, um, 400 touches, brother. You know, buckle up. Yeah. We don't care yeah. if it's three yards yeah. in a cloud of dust. Right now, yeah. our, time of, our time of possession margin is negative seven minutes, nine seconds. With that absolutely abysmal defense, we, we, we cannot function. So run it, run it. Pass it. It's not sexy. The analytics community would say it's backwards, but that is their only chance to play some semblance of complimentary football and try to keep the defense off the field. And if they mess around and win the right six or seven games, they'll go to the playoffs, they'll host a playoff game, and they'll get their face beat in on national television. But that was going to happen anyway. <laughs> um, Le'Veon Bell is now in Kansas City. He escapes the Jets. Le'Veon Bell, in my mind, and Antonio Brown are team killers. I believe the person laughing loudest is Mike Tomlin. But what do you think Le'Veon Bell does for Kansas City? Oh, I think they're getting Le'Veon Bell at exactly the right time. Really? Well, okay. I mean, you only need him yep. for half okay. a season, really, here. You know? right. You're not making a long-term commitment. Uh, you've got a tremendous roster. So he's... <laughs> I mean, he got marginalized in, in New York where there was nobody else to go to, but it got so bad between him and the coach that he just, you know, I'll play whatever, I'll play Frank Gore, I don't care. Well, th- this guy's got a multitude of options. Um, they have a really good culture there. He's, and, and when he's been around winning teams, you know, he hasn't been a huge problem. Um, his fight with the Steelers was about money. You know, it was straight-up money. They were, the Steelers were willing to give him. You know, his 14 a year, they just wanted to structure the payments differently, and they didn't want to give him um, as high of, of guarantees at the time of signing. But it's not like they weren't actively trying to keep him around. I mean, they were, but they weren't going to go to the lengths that the Jets went. Um, I think he could still be a, 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 a winning component um, okay. to a good football team, and, and they don't need him to carry a significant load. Uh, you know, Sammy Watkins is dinged up a lot. I mean, they, they, they could use him as a – people forget the kind of routes that this guy runs and, and the kind of ability he has in the passing game because the Jets have no passing game. But they could use him as a slot receiver. Um, he obviously can spell, you know, Edwards Hilaire. Um, I, I think it'll, you know – Okay. I think it's going to work. I, 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 think it's, he, I think he's going to be fine. He's not going to be making complaining about give me the ball. He knows exactly what he signed up for, and he wasn't getting the ball with a bad team. So, um, is he going to be a, a, a absolute game breaking difference maker? I don't know, but it's worth a shot. And and he he might make you know ten to fifteen plays to, over the rest of the year that that help them win games. Okay, plug your show for us. Uh, you can check me out and my raspy voice from two to six. Every day on 105.7 The Fan or on the Radio.com app streaming live. It is Inside Access uh, on 105.7 The Fan in Baltimore. We talk a lot of football, a little bit of Washington football team, too, because our producer, Cordell, um, unfortunately, roots for that outfit. Um, A lot of Ravens talk and uh, some baseball playoffs. We we play all the hits, Tone. So, yeah, if if you're interested, check me out. Thank you, Jason. Thank the people you should Have be interested. You're great. Thanks so much. Jason Lockin for our boys and girls. We will take a break. We will come back with Jeff Ma and a whole bunch of email. I get a lot of email and I want to read some of the email because it 
it makes me laugh most of the time. I'm Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Brooklinen ad. You've probably heard us talk about Brooklinen before. They're the home of the internet's favorite sheets. But their towels, they're also amazing. I have their towels. I use their towels. I don't know that I would say amazing, but they're, they're really good. I'm happy with their towels. They give your daily routines a little something extra. And with various levels of plushness, the towel of your dreams is waiting to wrap you up. And with all this extra time at home, it might be nice to invest in a little extra softness and absorbency. You know, I, I like that. That's okay. Treat yourself. They want me to make the, the, they say the personal endorsement motivates your audience. And they say, make this your own. Please don't make this your own yeah. when it comes to towels. <laughs> I'm still getting up and showering every morning to have some semblance of a routine. And Brooklyn's towels are so plush. It's like the perfect hug to start my day off right. Like a little, you're going to do great. And you know what? They're so cozy and warm, I believe them. That, that's sweet. I, I mean, that's sweet. Um, I end up, I take showers about between two and three every day. Not in the morning. Between two and three every day to get ready for the PTI show. It's a lot of that, sharing. That's what I do. Well, I'm just saying what I do. And I use their towels. And I like their towels. You know, I don't ever think the towels have spoken to me and said, you're going to do great. I don't think so. <laughs> But if, if there the was... the towels know you're fueled by negativity? I don't know. I mean, but if the towels had a certain consciousness and they could read my mind and they felt that saying to me in their own towel-like way, you're going to do great, you know, that would be nice if that were true. Brooklinen is the perfect place to find all the comforts for home, including ultra-soft towels. They are so confident in their product that everything comes with a lifetime warranty. Use the promo code Tony K Show for fifteen. For, I'm sorry for ten percent off your first order at Brooklyn. And let me spell Brooklyn for you: B R O O K Brook L I N E N Linen dot com. Promo code Tony K Show. Brooklyn and everything you need to live your most comfortable life. Use the code, people. You're listening to the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us by Alex Wintz, a guitarist, a composer, and an educator who writes, I'm a 32-year-old professional jazz guitarist coming to you from Harlem in New York City. In spite of past comments thumbing your nose at the genre, I wanted to send you a track from my upcoming album, Live to Tape, released upcoming November 6th. It's a tune dedicated to the memory of one of the funkiest drummers ever, Idris Muhammad, simply titled Idris. Now, it might be Idris, but I think it's probably Idris because of Idris Elba. That's what I'm guessing, that that's the way that is pronounced. At the very least, I know David Aldridge and some of the jazz-loving littles will enjoy. Feels weird to release an album during this time, but we all need music, right? This is Idris. It's a rejoin for Jeff Ma. It is the Alex Wintz Trio, and it's very nice. Michael, if people like Alex Wintz want to send us their music, how do they do it? Please send us your jazzy, jazzy music by emailing it to jingles at com. So Jeff Ma is with us. I have two emails relative to Jeff Ma specifically. One from Steve Sigourney in Big Sky, Montana, who writes, Four of Jeff's picks at 50 per plus the lovely four-team parlay winner. And the title of the email was Long Live Jeff Ma. Another one from Sam Hillier. It absolutely baffles me how Jeff Ma continues to pick the Jets every week. And I add parenthetically, me too. Unfortunately, I'm a long-suffering Jets fan, and I force myself to watch them every Sunday. I am aware that Jeff Ma has a degree from MIT, but I have a degree from Rutgers University. Therefore, I know terrible football when I see it. Much like when my Scarlet Knights play Ohio State and Michigan. There's no line high enough for the New York Jets. They're an abomination, a complete and total disgrace to the game of football. The Chris Saliza of the NFL. 
They may, may well end up being 0-16 in real life and against the spread. Anyone who bets on them might as well light their money on fire. How do you like those emails? They're good, aren't they? They're good. I mean, what do they say? Any attention is good attention or whatever. Or just just getting getting mentioned is, is I'm happy I'm making some people some money and I'm happy happy that uh, people are noticing my um, my the how much I love the Jets. You were four and one last week. You're now twelve, eleven, and one. What have you got for us this week, Jeff? We're only have four games this week. It's it's a tough board. I mean, it's just so much weird stuff going on. The first game is going to be Minnesota minus the four against Atlanta. Um, if they play it, if they play it, right? Yeah. I guess I guess that's true. I mean, it seems like the NFL doesn't really believe in COVID, though, so they just kind of battle through these things. <laughs> yeah, the rest of the rest of the world is worried in the quarantine, and we're staying in our homes. They have a positive test, and they say that's not a big deal. We'll just keep going through it. So um, they'll probably my guess is they'll probably end up playing it because that's just what they seem to do. They just might move it to like Tuesday at one a.m. or something. <laughs> Minnesota minus four against an Atlanta team that just fired its coach and its GM, right? You like Minnesota? Yeah. I mean, an Atlanta team that seems in a lot of, you know, to be pretty challenged right now. Um, if you believe in narrative, you know, it didn't, it seemed like generally they liked Dan Quinn. So it's, I'm not sure if this is going to be a big rallying cry. Minnesota has actually played pretty well this year. They, they obviously should have won last week against Seattle, not for some some pretty amazing Russell stuff at the end of the game. And yep. I think what was more impressive in that game is when they got down eight after some Kirk cousin uh, situations, which I'm sure you guys are pretty familiar with, uh, you know, they, they battled back to, to take that lead. And, and what's interesting about that game is everyone goes da- back to that fourth down decision that was made By from an analytic yep. standpoint. That, that was about a break even. I mean, people, I think either way would have been fine. The big mistake he made was not going for not going for two when they got up by four. They could have either been up six or four. They ended up deciding to be up by five. If they're up by six there, he for sure can just kick a field goal there and go up two scores. Um, and even if they're only down, only even if they're only up four, they're in the, pretty much the exact same situation against Russell That's Wilson. Hard. So yeah. kind of that was the big mistake. All right, what else? Uh, we're going to go with, New England minus the nine and a half. This seems like a lot of points, um, you know, in a situation where an over-under is about 44 and a half, meaning they're expecting what it, in the NFL now is a pretty low-scoring game. I just think Denver's going to have a lot of trouble scoring against New England. Um, I think, you know, this could be a game where Denver doesn't get over 10 to 13 points and New England just would need to score around at 24, 28 points to, to cover the spread. So um, Bill Belichick has a really good track record against the spread against these kind of young, um, inexperienced quarterbacks. It just always seems to overperform expectations. Um, so I think this is one where he um, will, but, you know, the nine and a half, while it seems like a lot, um, I think that they can cover that. Okay. What else? We're going to take San Francisco plus the three and a half against the Rams. Um, obviously, San Francisco looked terrible last week. Jimmy G's health is in terrible. question. Terrible. Um, and they have only, they, they stink at the moment. They do. So why do you like them? They stink, but they still have a lot of talent. And three and a half at home, um, you know, Kittle's back. It's a 
reasonable matchup against LA who, you know, their strength is, is on the front line. It's, it's not necessarily in, in the linebacking crew. They, they'll, they struggle a little bit um, in, in that linebacking crew. And so I think guys like Kittle and, you know, Shanahan will game plan effectively for this. Okay. Um, it's just three and a half. I mean, the, if, you, if this, the look ahead line on this game was the Niners minus three, so you basically are getting six and a half points of line value from that look at line. That, there's obviously reasons why with all the injuries, but still it, it seems like a lot. Okay. Okay. And one more. Let's see here. The last game I have for you is uh, Detroit minus the three points. Um, well, what do you guys have that at? Do you have it at three or three and a half? I don't know. Nigel, can you look that up or Michael look that up? I don't know. We'll, we'll don't go with Detroit minus the three. Jacksonville is a, a pretty interesting team in that uh, we went into the season thinking that they would be an abomination, probably worse right. than the Jets. Um, but yet they threw us off their stench with a big win in game one. Um, and, you know, obviously Minshew has looked pretty good. So their offense is yes. pretty, pretty reasonable, but their defense is terrible. And at, at, even in that uh, Colts game, the Colts didn't punt once. So it's not like Jacksonville played that well. Um, it just kind of worked out that way. So I think Jacksonville is as bad as we thought they were. Um, and Detroit in, in this game, um, I think, has some value. Okay. Thank you, Jeff. We'll talk to you next week. Thanks, Tony. It's Bet the, Pro- bet the process. process. And it's Jeff Ma and it's Rufus Peabody. And they give you analytics with betting. And again, last week, Jeff was 4-1, and one, which is really good. Okay, you were really you, you were looking for confirmation on the Detroit Jacksonville line. What is it? Three. Yeah, Detroit getting three. three. Okay, so he yeah he'll take the three because he would love to take the three and a half if Detroit's getting it. Way to cover that, Nige. I wanted Thank to you. I wanted to um, read some emails here. I had about five now, minutes. Now, are any of these emails the return from Bass Shoe, or is Tony Kornheiser, comma Washington D.C. still awaiting for that one? I'm still no. There are no emails from Bass. They did. They it's you know they didn't. They didn't respond to me. This is from Lee Gordon in West Hartford, Connecticut. First, on Wednesday's podcast, you read a steal the bacon email from a guy who went to Camp Tel Noir. I said, I know that camp. It was owned by our neighbors, the Coens. He also mentioned the girls' camp owned by the same family. That was Camp Pembroke, where in her youth, my late mother, who would have turned 100 years old this weekend, had been a counselor. Second, at the start of the baseball season, I read a story from the Los Angeles Times about Charlie Steiner being allowed to call this season's Dodgers games from his living room. That story mentioned his age, 71, and medical conditions as his reasons for not wanting to do the games from the ballpark, but was not specific about what the medical issues were. Concerned, I reached out to Charlie, whom I've known since we worked together in the 70s, and asked if it were anything more serious than being a fellow septuagenarian and exercising due caution. He reassured me that it was nothing more serious than that. And at that, I wished him aloha. And aloha, of course, has double meaning. So we're happy for that. Happy for that. From Matthew Vaughn in Moscow, Idaho. Idaho. Is it pronounced Moscow or Moscow? I don't know that in Idaho. I've been listening to your show since the early 90s. And in all those years, my favorite moment was Joe Morgan telling the story of going to the beach with his kids and meeting the Jackson 5. One of the reasons why I love this show so much. Joe Morgan was on with us a lot. A lot. Um, Matt Welge or Welg of Naperville, Illinois. Thank you, Tony and the gang for your rants and entertainment over the years. I'd like to give a shout out to my friend, Jared Brown in High Ridge, Missouri, 
who brought me on to such a wonderful podcast about the garden habits of squirrels, the NFL gambling picks of a political news person and a monkey, and how much an old guy loves older music and how much he hates Kyrie Irving. It's great. Please keep it going. I'm writing this letter to tell you about candy corn and regular salted peanuts. If you take a few of each in your hand and you eat them together, it tastes just like a payday. It's the best way to enjoy the fall and the inevitable interaction with such a horrible candy. It is the only reason to buy candy corn, in my opinion. When's the last time you had candy corn? Wilbon loves candy corn, so he used to bring it to the office. So I used to look at it. I didn't like it. I don't like candy corn. The second reason for my letter is to share a candy story with you and your listeners, which includes the aforementioned chap, Jared Brown, of High Ridge, Missouri. Back in the day when we lived and worked in the same area, Six Flags of St. Louis, we would often gather groups and drive to southern Missouri for canoe and float trips along the current river. One time, Jared and I were sitting in the back of a mutual friend's convertible, driving 60 miles an hour down a winding highway, unbuckled, facing the rear, as my two brothers were in another car behind us. We suddenly had the brilliant idea to chuck circus peanuts at my brother, who was hanging his body halfway out of the passenger window in a crazy attempt to catch them. Jared wound up and flung one right to my brother's face. We all exploded in laughter as it hit him square in the forehead and ricocheted about 80 miles an hour into the woods 100 yards away. It was momentous. Just the other day, Jared was telling me about his great golf score, 72, but that his greatest athletic achievement to date was still the famous circus peanut pitch off of my brother's head along that southern Missouri highway. Ah, to be young and stupid. And that should be a motto for this show. Ah, to be young and stupid. This is, however, the only reason to buy circus peanuts in my opinion. So I thought these are emails that, you know. And there's one more from John Cox in Rustington, England, age 50 and two-thirds. As Steel the Bacon has captured the imagination of us littles, I thought I'd let you know what us Brits were playing throughout my youth. Our equivalent was British Bulldog 1-2-3. The precursor to the game involved a gaggle of boys, arm in arm, walking around the play area, chanting, we're going to play British Bulldog, no girls allowed. When enough boys had joined, the game was ready to start. Two objects, a distance apart, were chosen as home. These areas were safe. There was never a specified width to the pitch. The game was always played on concrete, irrespective of any nearby field. One boy was picked or volunteered to be the British Bulldog. The rest congregated at one of these homes. The object was to run to the opposite home without being caught by the Bulldog. So far, so good. If caught, the Bulldog then had to lift his opponent completely off the ground for the duration of him chanting British Bulldog 1-2-3. You weren't gently lowered to the floor. After being caught, lifted, and slammed onto the concrete, you weren't just out. You became another Bulldog as all those yet to be caught made another pass between the homes. This continued until one remained the winner. For me, the object of the game wasn't to win. It was not to be caught first, to not be caught after the balance of power swung in favor of the Bulldogs, and to leave the field of play with a similar amount of teeth as to what I started with. The game was slowly phased out in the mid-'80s due to pressure it put on the National Health Service, and PE teachers no longer allowed us to f- uh, no, were no longer allowed to force us to play in the gym when it was raining outside. The PE teachers would always be the Bulldogs. Sorry to go on, but it's brought back fond and terrifying memories. Regards, John, who then writes as a PS, so Lizza would have never left the home. And we take a break now. I, I love the full sweep of the playground before. British Bulldog, no girls allowed. Yeah. Uh, we'll take a break and we will come back with email and a jingle. I am Tony Kornheiser. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. And this is the Zip Recruiter ad. Monica Starks could relate. She needed to hire for a pivotal role at her construction company, GS Group, but was having a tough time finding the right person, especially with so many candidates out there. So she switched to ZipRecruiter. ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. 
Its technology identifies people with the right experience for your job and actively invites them to apply, which is why you should try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com Tony. That's how Monica found Lamont Jenkins. She said that ZipRecruiter sent Lamont's profile to her around five minutes after she posted the job because he was a great match for the role. Through ZipRecruiter, Monica's company has hired everyone from accountants to project managers to field scientists. But Monica's not the only employer who loves ZipRecruiter. Four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See for yourself how ZipRecruiter makes hiring faster and easier. Try it now for free. It's right free at ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. It makes me laugh. They don't want me to spell ZipRecruiter, but they want me to spell Tony. T-O-N-Y. Ain't that tough. ZipRecruiter.com slash Tony. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Got your emails, faxes, and your notes. Here comes Tony's mailbag. Gonna read some for all of you folks. But don't send in faxes. Thank you to Jason Fuse. Nigel, do the Bethesda bagel ad before we do the close. Yes, we got the, the bagel sandwiches today. Very excited. A surprise Friday. on Friday. Shocking. Yes, the best surprise. Yes. <laughs> you too can enjoy those. Just go to, uh, go to BethesdaBagels.com for the location nearest you. Once you go, you go all the time because it's fantastic. We love it, and you will as well. I guess that's just about it for us today. But before we get to the mailbag, I just want to say, Fredo, you're my older brother, and I love you. Don't, don't ever take sides <laughs> with anyone against the family again, ever. Thanks to our guest today, Jason Lockin, four of CBS Sports, and Jeff Ma, host of the podcast, Bet the Process. Thanks to our sponsors, ZipRecruiter, Vincero, and Brooklinen. And remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Radio.com. If you get the show through iTunes, please leave a review. Oh, and, and with cooler mornings, go get zippered up with Johnny O. Use promo code TKQZIP. QZIP. TKQZIP. QZIP for quarter zip. Oh, from, that's what it's for. From Tom Dore in Chicago. I really hope Hewlett High School has an alumni golf event and you get paired with Ms. Gluck. <laughs> Louise, what did you have there? Angst, anguish, questions of self-worth. Yeah, but was that four-footer for bogey or double? I couldn't tell if you hit one or two in the trap. I dwell in a perpetual bunker of despair from which attempts of escape are, I'll put you down for a five. How you liking that payday? Never mind. It's a <laughs> great email. From Nathan Dean in Fairfax, Virginia. With all of your experiences, is there any chance you know how to contact the Nobel Prize nominating committee? Anyone who can rhyme Vladimir Putin with Cam Newton and compose verse to praise the football skills of Steny Hoyer clearly deserves the Nobel Prize for Literature. Forget Gluck. Dan Byrne for the 2021 Nobel Prize in Literature. From Avi Feinberg. I'm a longtime little living in Vancouver, British Columbia. But my sister lives in the 20016, and my parents lived at Wisconsin and Van Ness before they moved to the 20012. My dad is well acquainted with the socialite. Michael and I played golf with the socialite yesterday. I used to love listening to the show when Tony would commute because I could make comments about traffic issues that would puzzle my parents or ask them about weather forecasts they had yet to hear. Thanks for all the laughs. My brother-in-law is one of Steny Hoyer's most senior staff. I've asked him to pass today's song along. Thought you would want to know. From Dan Kelly in Bradford, Pennsylvania, I was so glad to hear you speak of Pete Axtelm the other day. It made me think of my dad, Joe Kelly. No, not that Joe Kelly, not the pitcher. 
My dad was an English major at St. Bonaventure, and one of the few books he insisted I read was The City Game. When you mentioned Earl Manigault, it reminded me that he was called the goat, not the pearl. I also remember a part in the book where Pete described Connie Hawkins hook dunking over Wilt. It was one of those moments in a great book that was so well written, you had to stop and read it aloud to anyone within earshot. Thank you again for bringing a joyful memory of my youth to mind on a long commute to work. From Elaine Povich, Elaine Povich, Tony. I live less than two miles from Mikey and Mel's, and I'm here to tell you, it's great. Mikey is the dad, and Mel is the grandpa. Best delicatessen in Howard County, and trust me, I've tried for years to find a deli in Howard County, even a bad deli. I've been there several times I've now known as the chopped liver lady. While I can't endorse Harley and Aaron, my son works for Home Fix Custom Remodeling the Competition. I hardly endorse Mikey and Mel's. Only thing missing is a Shirley Povich sandwich, which alas died with Bassins on 14th Street in a mysterious, okay, it was arson, fire in the late 1970s. <laughs> Part of the Povich clan. From Dallas, Texas, and Jacob Cox. And yes, I feel I can call you Uncle Tony. When I was back in medical, middle school, middle school, all of 10 years ago, I went through a sports phase as any young boy does. And what show did I start watching? PTI. My mother one day brought up how our family has ties to one of the hosts on the show, Tony. It turns out my grandmother, Judy Davis's best friend throughout her whole life, happens to be your cousin Marilyn. I can vouch for this. I can totally vouch for this. Ever since I learned this, I've been addicted to watching your show, and only recently have I discovered your podcast, and it has continually been the highlight of my week. So thank you, Uncle Tony, for continuing to put a smile on my face. Yes, Judy Davis married to Danny Davis. Yes, my cousin Marilyn's best friend her whole life. What a small world. From Suzanne in Falls Church, formerly of Alaska, can you give a shout out to Claire Natola and all the chatter trivia littles? I broke my leg and they gave me a care package that Claire delivered herself. I've met amazing people through your show. Thank you. And don't slack off on the podcast. I'm basically immobile and have a lot of time on my hands. So sure. So then we'll just keep doing it yeah, until you get better. Uh, from Emily Olzak, Senior Assistant Director of Admissions at Niagara University. That is the alma mater of UB Brown. Thank you for making my day while being back in the office. Working from home was amazing. Now being back in the office, I need something to help pass the time, and that's where you guys come in. I think my husband is a bit jealous of you all. As a girl, I'm an avid sports fan. I've been my whole life and can speak about a lot of things, but my husband's response is always, I know, let me guess, you heard it from Tony. And my response is usually, yes, actually. Thank you again for the laughs and the talking points. Stay healthy and safe. And from one, from Cheve in Somerville, Massachusetts, near Rivera, just a quick conjugation question. Is it frame bridged or frame bridge? Michael? To frame bridge. It's frame bridge. It's not past. It's present. If you're out on your bike tonight, everyone, as always, including Chief, do wear white. What a waste of time. God.